Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. And hello to anyone who's listening to this as part of the Temple Beth Am podcast. Email will be going out today. Reminder, next three Wednesdays, so the 14th, 21st, and 28th, there'll be no class in person. Leonard will be operating a class on Zoom. Um, The next class in person with me will be the first Wednesday in January. Uh, Okay, this is actually elegant because not uh, engineering it this way, we're probably going to finish today right at the beginning of the genealogy, which is a kind of a a long-ish gap between the very intense content we've been dealing with, the burning bish and the immediate aftermath, and then the actual beginning of the Exodus story. Um, So, um, and if we go through that stuff more quickly today, then we'll start the genealogy. My guess is we're going to end up exactly at the beginning of that genealogy. So I think that we're halfway through the Rashi on chapter six of uh, Shemot, verse 13. Let's remind ourselves. What's that? I could really remember. 613, I know. Interesting. Well, on Sivan. Well, what's the joke like? I'm not really a six, more of a 612 guy, para Duma, not for me. But all the others, I, I'm willing to do. Um, <laughs> this is apropos of totally nothing. I can't believe Matt's not here to hear this, ter- this wonderful joke. Do you know what a Yeki is? Yeah. A, you know, a German Jew who's yeah. very, very punctilious about things. I saw a meme that said, Confessions of a bad Yeki. I once got to Mincha late and I missed Ashrei. But I made it by Yoshve. <laughs> I love that. I missed a word. Got there. I got there by Yoshve. Not by, not by Ashrei. Got there by Yoshve. Okay. Um, the the verse is uh, chapter six, verse thirteen. Vaidaber Adonai El Moshe Viel Aharon Vayitzavim. That's the word we've been dealing with. Hi Sue. El Bene Yisrael Viel Paro Melach Mitzrayim. Again, easy vocab words, interesting enough odd syntax such that it opens up for Midrashic possibilities. God spoke, the holy blessed Rachamim one spoke. Uh, Just saying that for Alan because it's an interesting, it's not a contrast, but in the archetypes of Vaidaber as being uh, harshness and Adonai as being um, sweetness. This is one of many, many times, obviously, by Yavar and I, Moshe Moore, we're going to have it, but this is one of the first times that the, the Holy Blessed One spoke, El Moshe Velaron, to Moses and Aaron, Vayetzavim, God commanded them, right? So it's a direct object, commanded them, here's the, here's the weird part, to, regarding, about, is it El that really should mean Al, with respect to, and whatever that preposition L means here, God also did the same with respect to, to, about Pharaoh. Melech Mitzrayim, is there an un, is there a hidden notion that, that God commanded them to go to, right? Do we, do we, do we honor the preposition to and, fi- and backfill what should be in between? Or do we assume that this preposition is fluid and it really means ah with respect to, right? We dealt with that a little bit. And how would it be a noun? El, 
Uh, Rebbe, I, I can't hear the other people. Is there another mic? So the God of the children of Israel and the God of Pharaoh commanded them to bring Israel out of the land of Egypt. Folks, when you, when you finally buy the full commentary on the book of Exodus by Joel Elkins, <laughs> this will be one of the most interesting insights he ever made. I love that. It's clearly not what the verse means, but it works. I love it, right? That the, that the God of and the God who's about to rule over Pharaoh made this command. Terrific. Rabbi, um, we can't hear anybody in the class. Oh, that's right. Well, there's no anybody yet, but we, Joel said, <laughs> meaning, <laughs> jo, jo, Joel said one thing he forgot to say on the microphone, uh, but it's, it's worth repeating. So, Joel, will you say it again on the microphone? Can you? L could be a noun meaning the God of B'nai Israel and the God of Pharaoh commanded them. So he's saying that the, 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 the subject, the Yud in Vayetzavim, which is the subject of, and he commanded them, is El B'nai Yisrael, the El Paro Melech Mitzrayim, is the subject. The, the God of the children of Israel and the God who's about to show God's godness over Pharaoh commanded them, the them is Moses and Aaron, sort of, uh, to make sure that the Israelites got out of Egypt. Lovely. Right, really, really interesting uh, rendering of it. Um, okay. So, Rabbi, yeah. it, if that's what he just said, at the end of, of the Torah reading this week that I'm doing for Rabbi Schatz and company, the last three words are, El Elohe Yisrael. It's verse 20, where uh, Jacob and Esau are uh, um, going back home, and um, he calls the place El Elohe Yisrael. So. Hmm. Nice Rick, coincidence. You're not doing that Torah reading for Rabbi Schatz. You're doing it for God and the Jewish people and for, no, no. for all of us. It's not a, it's no, not a private Just for Rebecca, yeah. <laughs> um, wonderful. I mean, it, let, let, listen, let's linger for a second. E even if it's pretty clear that the shot that Joel suggests is not shot, that's fine because Rashi all the time will say, this is, the, this is the shot, but I prefer this Midrashic reading, so let's run with it. It's really so fascinating that the two Hebrew letters, Aleph Lamed, means something as pedestrian as a preposition that means two, and borrowed from ancient other languages, um, that El means God. So, so El means the biggest thing that we could say in Hebrew and the smallest connecting word. So that playfulness is almost mandatory, given the fact that it's the exact same two letters with the same vowels. Barry, let's get Barry Mike. I'd like to return to the comment I made last week that uh, this is the beginning of the Aaron story. And, and so what's important here is that it's not only Moshe, but also Aaron to the many Israel and Aaron to Paro. Good, it, right. It, it begins and, the Aaron story. Good. And the Rashi, we're, well, the second Rashi we're going to read today uh, is, is, is on the same topic, Barry. So uh, we'll, we'll bring back that comment when we read that Rashi. Okay. We read, I believe, the first Rashi. On, um, we're, we're on Sivam. Right. Uh, Sivam Allah. Right. We read the first two Rashis on the, the first one that said that um, about the, uh, since Moshe said he was slow of speech, God connected Seraph Aaron to him in line with what 
Aaron is saying that we're what Barry is saying that we're introducing Aaron here, and then we heard Rashi's initial understanding of what Vayet Savim El Bnei Yisrael means, and he reads it. He says the preposition is wrong, right? It's really Al. God commanded them regarding, and since we don't have the content of that command, um, Rashi understands it to mean that the what did what did God command them? Commanded them to be nice. That that they have they are. Kotzer ruach, their shortness of spirit. They're about to go through an ordeal. This was a, this was a prep, a pep talk. Excuse me, by God to Moshe and Aaron, saying, "No matter what happens next, just be gentle with the Israelites." Okay, and then Rashi continues that for the next section. So, El Paro Melech Mitzrayim. Alan, do you want to read? Sure. So let me just see exactly where we are, which I always have trouble doing. Yeah, this book is not the yes. It's the third comment of Rashi on verse 13. Okay. And the first Hebrew word is tzivam. Okay. El Pao Melech Mitzrayim. Sivam alav lachaloklo kavod kibrahim, bidibrahim. Zehu midrasho. Okay, so first translate Sivam alav lachaloklo kavod bidibrahim, or try to translate. Okay, that uh, it was commanded upon them. He, he, because it's gendered here, yes. he commanded. Um, uh, them. He commanded them uh, to. Wait, first do the alav. Uh, alav so what? He what commanded alav uh, upon them or concerning them? No, concerning him, right? Concerning him. Alav, so yeah. the first thing Rashi does is, like the previous command, turns the l alaf lamed into an al ayin lamed, right? He says, "Letterman came and changed the alaf to an ayin." So. This is not uh, sending a command to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, but God commanded Aaron and Moshe both regarding the Israelites yes. and regarding Pharaoh. Regarding, yes. okay. And what's the substance of it? To get to be Barachamim, to deal with them gently. You have Barachamim? Bedivrahim. Bedivrahim. Excuse me. It says, to. Deal with him with, with honor in their words. Right. The phrase lachlok kavod cannot be translated literally. If you translate it, it means to divide honor. It really means to bestow honor. And it's still in modern Hebrew, certainly Jewy Hebrew um, idiomatic expression. If you're being like in yeshivish, like if you're going to talk about, you know, um, doing something, you know, generous towards one of your teacher or your chabruta, it's being cholek kavod. It's you can't translate it, but it means to, to, to be nice. What's that? Okay, good, right? To, 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 to share the honor, to share the, the spotlight. So what does it mean here? So what does it mean that God is commanding Moses and Aaron that Bedivrehem, when they use their words to Pharaoh, they are supposed to be cholaking him kavod. Meaning what? Meaning what and why? Honoring, honoring him. Honoring Pharaoh, right? Meaning the same general respect, Moses and Aaron, that I want you to use 
regarding the Israelites because they are powerless, I'm now Rashi and Rashi, I want you to bring the same respect to Pharaoh because he's powerful, right? Don't, don't lord over the powerless Israelites and don't try to pretend to lord, pun intended, over Pharaoh, at least in the initial um, in- encounter, right? You're not, you, you know, not by night, not by power, but with, but with, but with uh, my spirit, right? Eventually, God is going to show God's power, but I want you to walk into Pharaoh's palace humbly. Right? What, what's the, like, forget about or jump over the, the, the mechanism of the commentary. What's the sermonette here? Like, what is the significance of rereading the scene such that God sends Moses and Aaron back to Pharaoh, not tail between their legs, but humbly, giving him the kabod, not them? Rosemary, is your hand up? Uh, microphone to Rosemary. Uh, I think that uh, there are two things here. One is that when you give importance to somebody or a mission, that person can take that mission and become very feel very important and then does the thing which is not um, uh, kosher and uh, so that makes them humble the both of them they are chosen but it doesn't mean they can do everything mm. and the other one uh, pharaoh is the most powerful one you enter he has all his army everybody around you enter he says, let me go and then he can just call somebody and kill you but if you enter with respect then he he may listen to you Right. Listen, even to this day, it's hard for me just as a citizen, as a, as, a, as, a, as a resident to figure out, do I bring more or less of myself initially in a negotiation? Could be the negotiation on like a, you know, you know, negotiating a price for a used car or a favor I'm asking someone. Do you start with full force and then pull back to show who's in charge? Or do you start with humility and, and hope that humility will, will gain you something, right? And I, don't always get it right, but I think that's what Rashi's playing with here. Sue, Mike. We have a. Wait. Yeah. Um, we have a couple examples, like when when Yaakov goes to Esav and this week's parsha. Is that what? It is? Yeah, by and, I mean, he butters him up really good and really humbly, and he kind of crawls to him, and you know upon him and kisses him and all that kind of stuff right it's it's you know this kind of i think it's a fine strategy to go in with deference um it's really distinctly different from how like god sends jonah into nineveh you know all full of um you know fire and brimstone um so it's not like always like this um but Certainly in this story, we have precedence for buttering them up and going in soft. Good. And what's interesting is that this is entirely absent in the Pshat. Rashi is really conjuring this through the Midrash. So it's not like, oh, right, that would make sense in that scene. If, had we not read this Midrash, we would not have assumed at all that God sent them in humbly. We would have said God sent them in with God on their back because they're about to do great signs and wonders. Um, one, one second, Tova. What, what am I... One of my biggest pet peeves in the way people misuse um, English words in this generation, as, alongside how the word literally has become the opposite of literally, right? Like that great Gary Goldman line, he says, you know, he's, he's doing a routine, he goes, literally, and by literally, I mean my generation's use of the word literally, my generation's word for literally, right? Because now this generation literally means its own antonym. 
Yeah. Um, how many times have you seen in the last week someone that you know who was invited to some great event or given some great honor and the first thing they say is, I'm so humbled. They actually mean the opposite of that. And it's okay. It's okay to say that in this moment, I'm not humbled. I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling grand. I've got such, I, I was invited to the White House dinner and you were not, right? Every, per, every colleague of mine who says, I'm so humbled to be invited to the White House for Hanukkah is not humbled in that moment. And that's okay. They're actually feeling like they're doing something of significance and it's okay to say that. And I, I have a pet peeve with how being humbled is used to like that, that humble brag. I think in some ways, Rashi is saying here that that it could have been that Moshe and Aaron would have gone into Moshe, into Pharaoh's presence with a humble brag saying, oh, we're so humble to be here, but actually presented themselves haughty. And Rashi saying, God saying, no, this moment does not call for haughtiness, which is interesting because later on it absolutely will because they're going to use the power of God to humble Pharaoh, but not yet, building up. Tova, Mike? Um, yeah, I was going, I don't know if Rashi was going there, but I was thinking of the, the first encounters of Moshe. He both aggrandizes himself, but he also aggrandizes God. Mm. And you could almost add on to this that God is not just saying, back off a little bit yourself, Moshe, but I don't need that. If power needs to be shown, I'll show power, but you don't need to come in this way. Wonderful. Really wonderful, Tova. Rick, I see your hand. Um, you had a story. Um, I don't know if it was Freud or somebody, and he was saying no, 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 and and the punchline is one no would have been enough. Could could you retell that one? It's an encounter between. Uh, I always forget if it's Stephen S. Wise or Isaac Mayer Wise. There were two oh. renowned reform rabbis whose last name was Wise in the late nineteenth, early twentieth century, and. Uh, there was a list that had come out about, you know, the, the, the this generation's greatest living Jews. And um, um, Freud said to Wise, whichever Wise it was, uh, Dr. Wise, do you, do you expect your name to be on that list? And Dr. Wise said, oh, me? No, 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 no. And Freud said, one no would have been sufficient. <laughs> right? Yes, exactly right. If my father's listening, because sometimes he listens to this podcast, he'll be smiling because he loves telling that story. Okay, so, oh, I see a comment. Let me just see what it is. Uh, oh, louder would be nice. Okay, yes, we would try to be louder and, humbl and humbler. <laughs> yeah, that'll be very loud. <laughs> okay, um, keep going, uh, Alan. Oops, so what does the word upshuto mean? The, the, uh, the, the real meaning. Right, so what's Rashi revealing with that one word about all the conversation we just had? It's just midrash. Right, it's sweet but frivolous. Uh, we can't hear Alan, so he needs a microphone. Oh, oh, oh. Right? Yeah, what's, what's that? Yeah, well... To, to repeat, we're dealing, the, this is all the pshuto, this is what the real meaning, everything else beforehand was sweet midrash. 
And that's what Rashi especially says, Zeb Midrasho, and then he says, but Upshuto, but the real meaning, the, the Pshat, is Tzivam al-Dvar Yisrael ba'al shlichuto el paro. Look what he does there. Before we even look at the content, Rashi is giving this extended double commentary on the word El. And the first commentary on El, he said, means Al, at, without saying it. And now he's in his second commentary on this word, he's playing around with El Al. And he's not, he's not flying to Israel. So I just think there's something, I, I just love his, his in very intentional use of prepositions in commenting on what this preposition might mean. So now translate. Right, and the real meaning is that, that uh, uh, God uh, commanded uh, about... Uh, commanded them, Tzivam. Oh, command, command, commanded them about uh, Israel and about God's mission uh, to Pharaoh. Yeah, the Shlichoto is probably not God's mission. Who's the O? Uh, here, well, if it's his, it would be Moshe's, but that's that would be strange because it's Moshe and Aaron that are actually going to do this mission together. Uh, good point. Right. So, since it's Tzivam, you might have expected Rashi to say Shlichutam, mm -hmm. but I have a hard time understanding. Maybe that was a bad idea. Sorry, buddy. Harrington, <laughs> stop that. He'll settle down. Uh, Barry has a solution. Okay, give Barry the mic. I mean, I'm looking at my translation here. Uh, the, the, the first L is uh, Moshe and, and Aaron to Bnei Israel. Uh, the second L is uh, God's mission to Pharaoh. So you, you're talking about the L's in the verse, or you're talking there, about the Rashi? There are two L's. This is an interpretation of Rashi's interpretation that the, the, the one one L is. Motion Aaron to Ben Israel. The other L is God's mission to to Pharaoh. Yeah, that's the way. Uh, um, that's the way Alan tried to read it too. I'm just trying to figure out if I think Rashi would have referenced God's mission to Pharaoh in that way because it's it's not really like it's not really that God is going to Pharaoh. God is going to Pharaoh through Moshe and Aaron. But but we we clearly know the intent there. So let's let's let's. Let's kind of leave that as as a as a maybe, and keep going, uh, Alan. Udvar hatzivu ibahu, beforash beparshash niyal achar seder hayachas. Good. So it's in, translate that part. Okay, and udvar hatzivu ibahu, and this, and and the these things that were commanded. What are they? Right. The, the, and so. Rashi is saying, so if it's the case that the that the pshat is that God commanded them regarding what they're about to do in Egypt, and you might be asking, well, then what's the content of the command? Because some of the super commentaries on Rashi say that the Rashi's challenge on this verse is normally the the the, the phrase vayetzavim, God commanded them, is followed by the content of the command, and we don't have any content here. So if Reader, you're asking, so Mahu, what is the matter, the dvar, the word, the content of the command? Mefurash. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, explained uh, in the Beparshashnia, in the 
uh, in the second part of this parsha, right? He's using the word shniyah here to mean next, right? The, uh, up, the upcoming part two. Part two of, of what's contained in in, in the in here. La, that's so you have to the one that the second one that that's following here that comes after what does it come after seder hayachas seder hayachas the uh the order of the the, the order of the connection that doesn't what does yachas mean oh yifus. relationship right or genealogy Right. Oh. So if you just peek ahead to the verse we're about to read, the verse 14, which begins the second aliyah of Parshat Shmot, Ella Rashi Beit Avotam B'nei Ruvain Bechor. Right. We're about to get a genealogy. Rashi refers to the several, you know, I don't know, many, the many verse genealogy to come as Seder Hayachas, the order of the relationships that we're about to learn. Okay. Mm -hmm. So to, again, to, okay. to bring that together, if you're wondering, folks, why the word sivam is used but not the content it will come but it will come after the upcoming genealogy what's the next problem then that rashi has to answer so to predict what alan's about to read why why interrupt what we are right now with seder hayachas don't we want to find out the content of the uh genealogy now rashi answers that and that will come back to what barry said at the beginning of the class yeah ella Mitoch shehizkir Mosheh v'aharon hivsik ha'inyan ve'ela rasheh bet avotam. And you can put quotes around ela rasheh bet avotam because it's the first words of the next verse. Ve'ela rasheh bet avotam lelamdenu Boy, this print is small. Uh. <laughs> Let's get Alan a different book. Yeah, I, I need a different book. Let's all pitch in. Lamdeno heach. Heach. Noldu Mosheva Haron. Uve. Uve me. Uve me. Neat yachamu. Neat yachasu. Neat yachasu. Okay, so translate that. So, so. Again, he doesn't give us the question, but uh, Leonard provided the question. So why then do have we are we about to pause before the cliffhanger is resolved? We talk Shehizkir. Yeah, in order to remind uh, Moshe and Aaron. Let me replace in order with um, since or because, and the Shehizkir is mentioned, not remind here. Huh. Even okay. though in modern Hebrew it can be uh, to mention to to make someone remember. Is to remind them, but by mentioning something, you're also making someone remember because lahazkir, grammatically, is the causative, the he feel of zachar. So you can do that by mentioning someone, okay. by reminding something. Is he gonna to remind them of 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 the mission? You know of uh, that's no to mention to mention. Excuse me. Mitoch shehizkir Moshe Aaron. Since this verse. Um, mentioned Moses and Aaron, and to go back to what Barry saying before, and brought Aaron back into the scene when Aaron had not been there before, since we've got these two guys mentioned again, Hifsikainyan. That uh, we have a pause in the matter, in right? this matter, uh, in this first matter, and this is, and this is the quote, where does the quote begin? 
next verse, these are the these are the heads of the houses of their ancestors. Go ahead. Okay. to teach us. Uh, to teach us. What does that mean? I'm trying to figure out what heyach means. Heyach Noldu is, is born. Noldu is, is, is right. born. Heyach is something like how or in what way. Oh, in what way Moshe and Aaron uh, uh, fit in here, where they came from, over me, and who, Nidya, and how they are connected right. together with this. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a... It's not really long-winded because he says very tersely, but it takes a lot of English to get it out. That Rashi is saying, if you reader are a wondering where's the content of the tzivui, and b, like what, or if you're wondering where the content of the tzivui, tzivui is, I'm going to answer on behalf of the Torah and say that Moshe and Aaron are mentioned here, brothers. We've never really learned how they're connected to the very people that they're about to be. Um, uh, asked to bring out. We know that Moshe came from a Beit Levi, right? Remember that story from the beginning of Shemot? And so this is Rashi's way of uh, justifying a very odd, long break in the middle of a very intense story, right? Now we can reject Rashi's explanation, but that's the content of Rashi's explanation. Barry, do you want to say something? No, I just, uh, yeah. Just Mike, 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 Mike. It just makes sense. Why, why interrupt the whole story with the genealogy? Because you got to place these two people, right? So, um, so you're accepting Rashi's uh, answer. Good, Rashi. We're very happy to know that. <laughs> uh, anyone else want to comment or question uh, this last piece of Rashi? Leonard, give him Leonard a microphone, please. And Rebecca, thank you for bringing in the. That's very helpful. Hi, but this could have been. Rashi is saying this is here because we're talking about Moses and Aaron, but this isn't the only place we're talking about Moses and Aaron. So it still doesn't answer the question why here and not, you know, last chapter. Right. Right. So this is a difference between the type of an answer that is fully comprehensive and says why here and nowhere else, and an answer which is 50% effective. I don't know why nowhere else, but I do know why here, right? So Rashi is trying to just get us to the latter. You're right. Um, it could have been mentioned. When was the last time Aaron came in? Um, yeah, right. So, correct. Is that at the end of Shmot? Right. So, if you look back at six um, twenty, But Rabbi, isn't this the first time that they're mentioned as leaders? Not that they're mentioned, but that they're mentioned as leaders specifically. Right. So that so that's a possible answer to Leonard's question. But Leonard's question on the Rashi is a good question. It's not the first time that Aaron's brought into the scene. When the Israelites came back, realizing that their work had been doubled by the initial intent, uh, attempt by Moshe and Aaron to intervene, we could have paused there. We could have paused even before that, when Moshe and Aaron go there the first time. Um, five what? Five twenty. Uh, Rabbi. Hold on, hold on. I can't do two things at once. Right. So if you go to four twenty-seven, 
Bayomar Nail Aaron, God said to Aaron, Lech Likrat Moshe, go greet Moshe, Moshe, Hamidbara in the desert, Bayelech, and he went, Vayevkeshehu, Bahar Elohim, Bayishaklo. He met him in the house, in the mountain of God, and they kissed. Genealogy. It's a but, perfect place for it, but, right? But, but that's not a command. It's not a command. And, and, and it's, it's a, he's talking to Aaron to go meet. Yeah. But what Leonard's question stands, this section, Rashi is justifying its presence so that we understand Moshe and Aaron's relationship to the people they're about to bring out. It could also have been inserted earlier. What's the non-Talmudic Rashi Orthodox answer to this conundrum? Different sources. This is how the editors wove it together. Right? So, I mean, it, we, we, it, it's for the hundredth time and more, it's unbelievable we have an intact text in general. Whether the sources is from the Holy One at Mount Sinai or from hu human uh, authors, so the the the, the attempts to kind of conjure the stitching together lead to sometimes very convincing and sometimes less convincing explanations. This got in here now. Rashi's trying to give us a why. I see Rick's hand. Yeah, hi. I was just going to say um, I looked back to see when they were introduced. Um, First of all, Miriam is mentioned as the sister, but she doesn't get a name credit. And then um, Aaron comes up. Uh, actually, God mentions him first, unless I'm wrong, but um, chapter four, um, verse 14. When he says to Moses, isn't Aaron your brother? I know he can speak well. Right. He's going to be to you like a God. Yeah. Right? So that's the first Aaron. Just thought I'd throw that in. Right. And that verse, he's Aaron the Levy. Um, okay. So what I want to do now, because we finished the Rashi before the genealogy, there were a couple other commentaries that I wanted to show you that may or may not take the rest of the time. If not, then we'll start the genealogy. But let me just pull them up. Okay. Uh, pull them up on all the screens. Okay. People on Zoom, you can see that, and people in the room, you can see it? Yes. Barely? Okay, so I'll have to, like, read it out loud. Okay, so this is Ibn Ezra um, on, uh, on this verse. Remember, Ibn Ezra is, produces content, but mostly he thinks of himself as a grammarian, right? And as, 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 as being very focused on the precise meaning of each word, okay? On the phrase, Vayitzavim. Paddington, come here. Basically, Ibn Ezra inserts a verb to preserve the L as a two. Remember we were discussing before, do we, do we keep the verb? Do we, do we keep the preposition and then insert something beforehand? Or do we say the preposition is really fluid? So on the word Vayetzavim, Ibn Ezra adds the word Lalechet. God commanded them to go. Now the rest of the sentence makes sense. To go, El B'nai Yisrael, to go to the children of Israel, and to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. For some reason, I don't understand why Ibn Ezra is not buying the Joel Elkin's interpretation of this verse. I think had he known about it, he might have been convinced. The Rabbi Yeshua, he, he references some Joshua. I do not know what who Rabbi Joshua is to Ibn Ezra. Amar, he said. Kitam, the, the reason for Vayetzavim, the word, and he 
commanded them, al that they shall not get angry on, the, on Israel, if they don't listen to the first time, and there's no need for that. This is Ibn Ezra basically debunking Rashi, right? But quoting Rabbi Yeshua. So the son Rabbi Yeshua has said, this is not El, it's Al, it's about the children of Israel, it's he's commanding them uh, not to be angry or harsh with the Israelites, and, and that's what it means, and Ibn Ezra says, that's not what it means. But it's interesting that he, like in a kind of Beit Hillel, Beit Shama way, he brings up the interpretation that he wants to reject. Right? That's Ibn Ezra. Yes, Leonard? I think the reason that uh, he rejected the Joe Elkins hypothesis yes. <laughs> is because he was a grammarian. El meaning God has a tzere. El meaning two has a, has a sigil. Oh. El oh. meaning God is a sigil? Right. The reason why. No, L meaning God is at Sarah. Right, that's what he's saying. The reason why, but, but the re, one of the reasons why the L is at Sarah here is, uh, sorry, a segol in our verse is because it's hyphenated to the next word, which means it's become an unaccented closed syllable. If it were standing by itself, I think L2 would also have at Sarah, wouldn't it? That on its own, Aleph Lamed, meaning two, is a sego? Yeah. I stand corrected. So, Joel, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> your, your interpretation got taken down by the absence of a single dot in a, in a vowel. Okay. Which is never there. Which is not really there. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> so that's uh, Ibn Ezra. Let's look at Sforno, Italian commentary, uh, 16th century. Vayat Savaim goes an entirely different direction. And I uh, wish Barry were here because he's, uh, this is going to connect to what, uh, what's, what Barry has said before or associate with it. Mina otam lesarim. Basically, Sforno is taking the verb by its name on its own and disconnecting it from the preposition that follows. He commanded them, meaning appointed them. He appointed them as ministers. He made them, he gave them a, uh, uh, an uptick in rank, right? He brought Moses and Aaron to a higher level. Kamo, like we have in Numbers 27, 23, when um, Moshe is transferring the authority from himself to, er to Joshua, he places his hands upon him. By the way, that's one of the sources for why rabbinic ordination is called smicha, because the thing that happened when, when, when Moshe transferred his chief rabbi position, you know, uh, anachronistic term, to, to Joshua, he was told to place his hands upon him. So smicha literally means a placement of hands. And commanded him. Clearly in that verse, we don't assume that Moses is giving Joshua a command. He's charging him, right? Charging him, meaning appointing him uh, uh, to a new level. Um, he's pointing him over to have supreme authority, and there are other examples like that. So Sforna says, you don't need Rashi turning El into an Al. You don't need Ibn Ezra inserting a Lalechet. Take Vayet Savim as meaning that um, uh, God just reinvested them with greater authority. Okay? And then finally, this is Chizkuni. Um, too bad uh, Larry is not joining us on Zoom because Larry loves the Chizkuni. Uh, El Moshe, the, no, the, sorry, the second one. Um, see where my cursor is. Davar Acher, another reading. 
Vayetzavem el b'nei Yisrael. So again, our phrase, God commanded them to, regarding the children of Israel, lidaber alehem, to speak to them. Kol mashekatu l'mala. Basically, the missing word is not lalechet, but lidaber, according to Chizkuni. God commanded them um, and said to them all of the stuff, or God told Moses Aaron to say all the stuff that we've been discussing. Mitchilat sidra, from the beginning of the parsha. Ad lachem morasha Adonai, until the words we're going to get to uh, far uh, in the future, which you can see are, um, I forgot where that, uh, yeah, in, in, ver in verse 8, which is going to come after all of the uh, genealogy. The Acharechen, Sheilchu El Paro, so this is similar to what um, Barry was saying, the two L's mean different things. God spoke, God commanded, um, God commanded Moses and Aaron to speak to the children of Israel. That's the first L. And then after that, that they should go to Pharaoh, and they should speak to Pharaoh in God's name. So instead of reading it as two twos, haha, meaning the same thing, one two meant to speak to, the second two meant to go to. All these medieval rabbis are trying to resolve the same thing that we could resolve rather easily by saying that the word siva can mean several different things, that the difference between an el and an al is not as significant as we, as we think, um, and no one resolution is, is necessarily better than the others. Barry's got something to say? There, there can be no redundancy in the Torah. There could be no unnecessary words. Right. Uh, th that is the impetus for all of these conversations, correct? If we're reading the text as if every word and every letter of every word is there for a reason, that leads to these wonderful and sometimes fantastical interpretations. Okay. Anything else in this section before we get the genealogy? The genealogy we're going to read through, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be drier, but um, uh, still worth uh, exploring. And Rashi's not entirely quiet on it. Okay. Um, I, I should keep track of who I call on to read. because I don't remember who I have called on and who hasn't spoken today. Um, let me see if anyone on Zoom. Um, Renee, do you want to read verse 14? Ele, from Ele? Yes. Ele Rashe Beit Abutam Bene Uvein Bachor Israel Hanoch Uflo Flu Ufalat Hatsaron Vekarme Ele Mishpachot Ruvein. Good. Okay, try to translate. So these are the heads of the of their father's houses, the house, the sons of Ruvein, the firstborn of Israel, Hanoch and Palu? Mm -hmm. Palu, Pez. but because there's, it's a um, beged kefet, and it's no longer the beginning of the word, it turns to falu, yeah? Chezron. And Chezron. Zeus' relative, and um, Carmi. Carmi turned into Carmi because of beged kefet, right? Ayla? And these are the, these are the families of Ruven. By the way, did this, do you slash Ofer know that this is where this comes from? Yeah, we're here. That, you, that Chetzron was the son of Ruvain? No. 
There you go. You learn something new every you day. You do indeed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the chetzronim were uh, were connected to to, to Ruvain, Okay. So, and we're sitting with them. Okay, um, right. So we've got we got the basic sense of the word. These are the heads of the ancestral houses of the literally the double smichut, the the heads of the house of their fathers. And then we start with the first one, um, the children of Reuven, who was the firstborn of Israel, firstborn of Jacob, are uh, four people: Chanoch, Palu, Chetzron, Carmi. These are the families of Reuven, and we're gonna see this kind of. You see some of this redundancy every time you have a genealogy where it's like the, the, the category is listed, the names are listed, and the category is closed by saying these are the, even though we know that these are that we just read through that. Uh, any comments or questions on this verse um, aside from the wonderful... Um, Me. Stay tuned. Sorry, everyone. Okay. Um, anything? Anything we want to say on this verse, Joel? What What is the subject or whatever of avotam? Avot shall who? Shall me? Yeah. Um, it's not Moshe and Aaron's fathers. So the que So the question Joel is asking is. If we're really precise about every possessive pronoun here, Rashe are heads of, Beit is the house of, Avotam, which doesn't mean literally their fathers, it can mean their 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 ancestors, right? So the it's still the still the question you're asking is is it is it motion Aaron? Is it generically the 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 the, the heads of the house of Israel's fathers, ancestors, I'm not 100% sure. I think it could be either. Paternal households. Right, but I'm not sure who directly the um, is referring to. It could be Moshe and Aaron. Um, right. Or it, could, or it could be that, just the, 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 the children of Israel. Okay, uh, let, Sue, you want to say something? Oh, you yawned. Okay, Sorry. that's okay. It's okay. It's, it's possible. It's a possible to yawn. Okay, so um, Renee, will you read the Rashi? Ele Rashi Bet Avotam Mitoch Shechuzkak Liachas Shifto Shelevi Ad Moshe Aaron Bishvil Moshe Aaron Itchil Liachsam Derech Toldotam Miruvein. Okay, so 
translate that so far, and in order to make sense of what Rashi is saying here, keep in mind the last thing that Rashi said on the previous verse, which is that the whole reason for this genealogy is to tell you how Moshe and Aaron are related to the people whom they're about to free, okay? So these are the father's houses. Uh, since the, the genealogy Uh, since the genealogy of the tribe of Levi. Right, since the, 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 the huskak means needed to, and the unmentioned subject is kind of the text or God. Since the text or God had to or felt the need to, liaches, to connect the uh, tribe of Levi from whom Moshe and Aaron are descended to all these other people, ad. Until Moshe and Aaron. Right. Because of Moshe and Aaron. Right. Since, reader, the reason my Rashi's argument for why we're in this whole section is to connect Moshe and Aaron to, their, to, to these folks and to eventually get to, uh, to, to Levi, he'd heal. So it started, it began or started out the genealogy in the order of their birth from Reuven on. Right. So Rashi's saying, you reader might be wondering if, if, my, if I'm standing by my previous explanation that the reason for this genealogy is to connect Moshe and Aaron, why don't I begin, why didn't the Torah begin with Moshe and Aaron or with Levi? And Rashi's basically saying, don't you remember, Breshit? Don't you remember all the problems we had in, in, in upending order? I'm going to, I, the Torah, I'm going to start with Ruvain, and eventually down the track, you'll see in the, in, the, in the genealogy of the sons and the grandsons of the 12 tribes of Israel, you'll get to Moshe and Aaron. We're not going to start there, but we're going to get there. That's Rashi having, it's like once you read a section meaning a certain thing, then you have to resolve all other questions that come up based on that reading. Rebecca? Having, uh, having done genealogy research, I would think you'd want to start with the earliest information that you do have. So why not start with Yaakov? Why not start with Avraham? Why start with Reuben? So mm. it seems a um, kind of a chopped off uh, place to start. Right. That, right. It, it's a, the Torah is beginning the genealogy here. I'm muted. Mm -hmm. You can't hear me? I can hear you. Rachel's saying she can't hear me. Can you hear me, Rachel? Barbara, you can hear me? I can hear you. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Might be something, I hear you might be fine. something wrong with Rachel's computer. Someone can write back to Rachel that uh, on, the, on the chat that I can't be, I can't be heard, that you all can hear me. The right? cold went to her ears, maybe. So the, <laughs> so, the, so the Torah is beginning this genealogy essentially with those that came down into Egypt. And Rebecca's thought is, if you're going to do the genealogy, go back a couple of generations. Yeah. Barry? Because essentially we're talking B'nai Israel, B'nai Israel's after. Right. Well, that just begs the question, why does, is the genealogy of B'nai Israel? It could have been the genealogy of B'nai, Av B'nai Avraham. But right, in, in the text, it's Lohotzi and B'nai Israel, the children of Israel from Egypt. Okay, uh, we have three minutes left. Let's see if we can get close to finishing this Rashi. We may not be able to. Uvafisikita. Rabatai Raiti. Does everybody not have, does everyone not have this next section? There's a, there's a section coming up that was not in the first printing. Let me see if it's, it's in the Torah Chaim. 
Oh, it's in here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Lomar. Shimon. Oh, no. Levadam. Lomar. Shechashvuim. Cham. Okay. Him. Okay. So, Uvifsikta Gdola, there's a Madrasha collection called the Psikta Gdola. You may have heard of Psikta Rabati. This is called Psikta Gdola. Raiti. I saw. Different explanations of why the tribes of Ruven and Shimon are mentioned here. Wait, hold on. Let, let's just do, do the words. Lefisha kintram Yaakov Avinu lishloshash fatim halalu. means to critique or complain. To, excuse me. Complain. Yeah, it, it it really means to call out to rep, to re, re, reproach, reprove, because Yaakov Avinu, our ancestor, reproved these three tribes on his deathbed. Bishat Moto when he was dying. So if you remember Parshat Vayechi, those really hard to understand verses that in some ways presage the Parshat Vazodar Bracha, where Jacob is dying and he gives these blessings to the children of Israel. Not all the blessings seem like blessings. In particularly, particular, when he blesses, I think it's Ruvain, Levi, and Shimon, he's got harsh words. Levi and Shimon because of what happened at Shechem, and Ruvain because of a potential, you know, uh, stealing of his bed, right? So since the last we've heard about Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, are their father bless cursing them, right? Blessing them, but with harsh words. This is a, another explanation of why start here and not start with motion. Aaron, keep going. Chazar, Akatuv. So scripture repeated and set out their genealogy. To say that anyway, they are uh, less less uh, less important, less distinguished. No, distinguished. Shehem Lomar. Oh, that they're still nonetheless. Right. That they're, they're still they're still distinguished. So you might be wondering what's the status of these sons and these tribes after the blessed curse that Yaakov gives. Rashi says, or Rashi says that he read in this midrash that we 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 actually highlight these three tribes to let you know that there was no reduction in their status, even though Jacob had, gave them a, a harsher blessing. Atova, last comment of the day. Uh, it, it also makes sense because he's presented this as explaining who um, Aaron and, and Moshe are, and yet they are from one of these tribes. So to just include, or to start with Levi, and then sort of, um, I mean, this way he takes the entire group that received the harsh blessing and explains why they're being uh, redeemed, if you sense, here. And in doing that, also elevating the heritage of Moshe and Aaron you know, right. so that you're not presenting uh, the negative side of their heritage. Right. Wonderful. And also remember that if you start with Ruvain, if you're, if you're starting with Ruvain because you've got to start at the beginning, but your goal is to get to Levi to Moshe and Aaron, you get Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, and then you say, I'm done. I, I don't need to go into Zvulun's heritage here. I've, I've redone the genealogy. I've gotten to Moshe and Aaron. Okay, now I can continue with the story. Leonard actually has the last comment of the day. 
Stop there, and it goes for two more generations to tell you who the next leaders are. Right, but it doesn't. It stops with Levi. We don't. We don't go through the rest of the tribes. Right. It goes. It, it's, it's it's specifically to get you to the following leaders. Right. Well, right. Um, okay. Let's hold it there. We we. Okay. Joel Elkins is Joel Elkins <laughs> who disagrees with Ibn Ezra is actually going to in Roots too, where Alex Haley was trying to go back and find where Kudbakite was. They found this this guy that memorized the whole history and he started like way, way back and he says, wait, wait, just get to Kutu No, he has to do it in order. He has to start from the beginning and then he gets to Kutu And he couldn't, he couldn't start from the middle and once he got to Kutu then Very good. I don't remember that, but now I will never forget it. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.